Hello, greatness. Come in. Let's chat. Welcome to Mira Check, the Reestablish Her Suite. Yes, this topic that I am going to be talking about today is managing grief, grace to overcome. I want you to know that in order to pursue a greater you in 2022, we must evaluate handling circumstances beyond our control. Some of us have been taught unhealthy ways of handling our circumstances that cause more self-harm than good. Yes, um, we've been taught, okay, if you're depressed, sleep in the bed, pull the covers up over your head, or get some of the most miserable friends you have, and y'all have a drinking party or whatever device y'all use to deal with the misery. And in some cases, they deal with the grief. And guess what? When you wake up, that pain is still there. Those miserable friends is gone, but that pain is still there. So I want to challenge you. If you stay with me just for a little while, promise not to be before you long. We're going to unlock and open up healthier ways of dealing with grief. Yeah, I know one of the toughest things is losing someone. Something are being removed from a place of comfortability. Yes, sometimes it's not always about losing someone. Sometimes it's about losing something or being removed from a place of comfortability. I know I experienced grief at an early age, around 11, when my mom and my stepdad moved me to another environment. At that time, I thought they was the worst of why y'all doing it like this. But as I got older and I began to thank God for my parents because whatever their reasons were, they definitely shielded me from some very harsh um, situations peer pressures and things that I might have been going through. Don't I don't I'm not going to say that I didn't go through anything, but in the environment had my mom stayed and and allowed me to be comfortable with um family and friends and and people that I've grown up with. I don't know what my life would have um, become. Yeah. And let me tell you something. Comfortability is not always your friend. It's not. But I want to get back to the topic at hand. Because I promise I don't want to be before you long. Grief. And losing someone, or in my case, being moved suddenly without warning or closure, it happens. And it ha and, and grief doesn't have no respect of person when it hits. I can only describe it by experience. And it was as if someone hit me in the pit of my stomach and knocked the wind out of me. 
I mean, I literally felt like the wind was knocked out of me. I couldn't breathe. My thoughts was racing. My voice in that moment was paralyzed. And now I walk you through grief that happened to me in my early 30s of losing someone who had been in my life for over 19 years of my life, which was my first husband, the father of my three children. And yes, we had our ups and downs. And during this particular season, um, we were on the down. And, you know, I, I was, I've always been a woman that trusts God. And so we were in our season of separation. However, I always prayed that God would, you know, get his attention or restore and things like that. But I remember going to a church service and was called up and the man of God that was speaking told me that woman in God, God is about to give you an unexpected end. I didn't understand the depths of that until a few months later that an unexpected end came. I became a widow during a separation that I thought in my mind, God was going to repair the breach, repair the relationship, restore, and we would have this great testimony. However, yes, I have a testimony, but it surrounds the sudden, unexpected, untimely departure and tragic death of my first husband. I became a widow at 34, raising teenagers. Oh, wow. I know I'm not the only one, but I felt like I was. And I was battling in several different situations throughout this, situ this, this grief that I was going through. I was dealing with the situations he left behind unsolved, unresolved, and just left open. I was, I was grieving the shame, the embarrassment of how all this came to be. Whew, yes. I couldn't breathe. My thoughts were racing. My voice in that moment was so paralyzed that people around me was doing things and I could not use my voice to stop it. Decisions were being made that my voice was paralyzed and even being able to deal with the situations. Yes. So grab your pen, grab your piece of paper, and I'm just still in the introduction. I invite you to journey with me as I provide you some insight into grief. Once you discover there is grace to overcome, I mean prevail, you will be able to manage grief in a whole different way. In this podcast, I will create an acronym from the word grief. I will bullet point the five stages, touch on the different types of grief, 
and definitely provides supporting scriptures in the biblical example of someone who prevailed through grief. By now, I know, I know you girlfriend, auntie, sister, cousin, got your pen, your handheld mirror, mirror check, and paper. But before I go any further, y'all know on my podcast, I serve Jesus Christ, a savior that came in and healed me of this very thing. Now I can talk about it and talk about the different types of griefs that I've been through. Sometimes tears are shed, but it's not shed because I'm in bondage to the grief. It's shed because I have been redeemed by the blood of the lamb. I have been redeemed by God. And and I know beyond a shadow of a doubt that Jesus Christ bore my grief on the cross. That's room to shout right there. Yes. But before I go any further, let's go into prayer. Heavenly Father, I thank you for being Jehovah Rapha, our healer. For you are close to those who are brokenhearted and you heal the brokenhearted according to Psalms 147 and 3. I loose the cords of just generational dysfunctional ways of grieving and I bind the truth of having God's grace to mourn and be comforted by God in Jesus' name according to Matthew 5 and 4. Have I said Every tear you shed in the name of Jesus. May God interpret your tears. May God soothe your heart. May God give you strength to remain in the present and not sink into a spiraling pit of despair. Hey, my sister, get up. Ah, get up. Rise up. Rise up. My, get up. Ha, mm. ah, mother, get up. I know the pain hurts. I know the pain is great in the name of Jesus, but I promise you, if you reach out and open your arms wide, God will step in in the mighty name of Jesus. Glory to God in Jesus' name. May your face shine. As you rise above the grief, as you rise above every every emotion that you may be feeling right now, rise above it, my sister. And I apply the blood of Jesus to this prayer in Jesus' mighty name. Yes, glory to God. Glory to God. I apply the blood of Jesus. And may this prayer be sealed in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm going to go to a short break. I promise you I won't be long. Well, I'm back. Mm. Now let's get into some content. But first, I just want you to think back to when you had your first heartbreak or disappointment. What was the first emotion you felt? For me, I was in shock as I replayed the scenario over in my mind 
And who were the characters that had that I had around me to influence me how I handled it? As a child who did, and as a child, who did you have a front row seat in seeing them handle heartbreak? Did they handle it in a in a healthy manner? Or did you see a lot of dysfunction, disappointment, and loss? How did they handle it? As I write out grief, marinate on these questions because I'm going to bring grief to you in an acronym as I break it down. So the G in grief, I challenge you, guard your heart, mind, spirit from magnifiers. Oh yes, honey. <laughs> when you grieving, your spirit is open. And so a lot of times when you are able to, let, let me say, focus and people know that you on top of what is being said to you, that your mind is 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 uh, stable and that, you know, you are able to to discern their motives and things like that. So they don't come to you. But when you in a low place, when you are grieving, when you are hurting and in pain, honey, miserable man, Nancy's and Betty's and 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 miserable Mary's and miserable Sally Sue's, they pop up. They come up out the woodworks on you. Yes, they do. So I call them magnifiers. And though, and magnifiers are those who make your pain worse without any solution of comfort or relief. Because what they do is they cause you to relive that thing over and over and over again. They ask you so many questions in so many different ways that you don't have no relief. By the time they leave, you feel more oppressed, suppressed, and depressed. Yes, you do. Because they didn't bring you anything to soothe what you were going through. Half the times they don't even let you talk. I am speaking from experience. They, they, they sit you up like you're being called up on a stand and you go through trial over your own grief of how you feel. They tell you how to feel, how long you should feel like that and when you should stop. Oh yeah, I'm getting into it. Let me go to the art in grief. Let me say this, rest in knowing that we serve a God of hope who will restore your heart, heal your mind and impart strength into your spirit, according to Romans 15 and 13. And the I in grief is invest in your healing by surrounding yourself with healthy spiritual leaders who can watch, pray and encourage you as you mourn the loss, whatever the loss may be. You need healthy spiritual leaders. For the word of God says, in the company of counsel is safety. There's safety in the a, in a company of counsel, assigned counsel, not, not magnifiers or nosy rosies. No, assigned counsel. And those People who are mature and have experience, have walked through some of the things that you're walking through, and they are able to 
sit along beside you and listen. Sometimes when you're grieving, you don't need nobody to give you any answers or solutions. You just want to talk. Sometimes you just want to cry. Maybe they need to just give you some tissue or say, let's watch the funniest shows and we're going to laugh and we're going to cry together. See, that's a solid, that's a solid. And, and they not wanting anything in return. They ain't bringing you an eight pack, 24 pack, a fifth, uh, a bag of weed. They ain't doing none of that. And I'm talking real talk here. No, I'm not going to sugarcoat this because your grief is not sugar. Right now you are hurting and that thing is burning. It's more like hot sauce with cayenne pepper, intensified, multiplied, double, like a habanero pepper. That's how grief is. So let me tell you the E and grief is eliminate others' timetables. Remember what I said that magnifiers, they don't give you time. They tell you how long you should be grieving and this and that. No, people, and I'm only speaking from experience because people told me just because me and my first husband was separated and that, oh, you should, you still grieving when y'all separated? Uh, when he, when he cheating on you? Wasn't he with another woman? Oh, what wasn't he shot in another woman's house? And all I mean, they magnified that thing up. But what they failed to realize is this is someone that was my best friend. We went to high school together. We planned our life together. And I had three beautiful, gifted, anointed children by this person. And how dare you sit up and magnify his story without me even without me even narrating it. So I know some people meant well, but my grief was traumatic. And at this time, I I didn't have um a cloudy view at that time because when you've been with someone since you were 16 and then you're 34 and you only have been and, and, and what they failed to to say was we was only separated for nine months and prior to that we had just experienced the loss of a child i had miscarried so that was double grief yeah I'm, I'm <laughs> eliminate others' timetables. Nobody can tell you how long you should grieve. And let me free you right now. Even though I've had counseling, I am remarried and 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 have grandchildren and life have continuously moved forward. There are days sometimes that I can be in my kitchen washing dishes or cooking and something would trigger a memory and I would have to sit back, sit down. See, I didn't know these strategies at first, but one thing that I did 
for myself when it was time to really deal is that I got counseling. I got help. Yes, y'all, I went to counseling. I went to two or three counselors. Yes, I did. And I found spiritual advisors. I had pastors. I had um, other people that were more mature in the area of comfort to talk to, to, to pray for me. God sent some awesome women in God to be uh, my midwives through this situation, to be intercessors. Did I make some mistakes during this process? Oh, yes, I did. <laughs> I made some bad mistakes. Yes, I did. Yes, I did. Because like I, like I want to tell you, when you're grieving, mentally, you really not um, have the capacity to make sound decisions. My decisions were all over the place. Yes, and some of them, even today, I have to repent. Even though I know God has forgiven me and I've repented for that thing, I have to keep forgiving myself because I, I look and say, oh, my God, I did that. Oh, my God, why did I do that? Yes. But for the sake of time, let me move on. The F in grief is free yourself from the guilt and shame of the loss. It's not your fault. Separate yourself from those who blame you for whatever decisions you made or wasn't able to make. Let me navigate you through the five stages of grief. Yes, there's five stages. Some people say it's seven. First stage is denial. Your mind, like I said previously, in heart replay over what it doesn't want to confront or feel. Oh, when I got that phone call that night, that wintry night, I did not want to feel that. Everything was in me was like, no, I just talked to him earlier this morning. Because guess what? We still talk because we had children. We still was friends, even though I did not I did not agree with his his backslidden state or his lifestyle. That didn't mean that I did not love him or that I didn't have a relationship of talking to him about our children and about other things. Yeah. Let's face it. Pain hurts and grief sits right down in it. The second step is angry. Oh, my goodness. Let me tell y'all, this second stage, I stayed there for years. It's been over, it's been 14 years this month. It's been 14 years. Actually, um, tomorrow will be the 23rd of this month will be the anniversary of his death. Yes, it will be. Um, and I stayed angry for years. I mean, I was angry at him. I was angry at let me say this. I got angry at God. Like, hello, God, why? You know, I, I got angry. I got angry with myself. I got angry with so many people. But that was my second stage. And there was no timetable for that. Number three, bargaining. You know, in the stage three, you bargain. You dwell on what you could have done. And then let me tell you something. With bargaining also is a variety of promises you make, especially if your loved one passes due to a sickness or you had a chance to like be with them for a little while. This is one thing people always do when they're in the bargaining stage. God, if you can heal this person, I will turn my life around. 
Oh God, I promise to be better if you will let this person live. I'll never get angry again if you stop him or her from dying or leaving me. When bargaining starts to take place, we often directing our request to God or a higher power or whatever you perceive. But in my case, it was to God because God Almighty is who I serve, the God of this world, the God, the beginning, the I am, the great I am. And let me go back up to anger. Keep in mind that anger does not require us to be very vulnerable. However, it tends to be more socially acceptable than admitting we are scared. Yes, when I unpack anger at the at the bottom of that pile, I was scared, scared, scared. Yes, I was. I was scared of life. I was scared that of what was going to happen with my children because I didn't have that person to be there to come alongside me and give me insight how my sons was going to fare because they didn't have the 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 wisdom and insight of their dad to give them those male talks but God brought people in brought my husband that I have now my father I have two wonderful fathers I have a, uh, my bonus dad and I have my real dad I have other males that spoke life into my sons you know um, and gave them good advice, you know, and things like that and left room for them if they needed to talk. Yes. Number four, depression. Ooh, depression is a deep sorrow, a weight pressing you down. A And depression is described, um, and being a mental health clinician now in my, in my, um, in my career track, um, a mental uh, depression is described as a mental condition characterized by feelings of severe despondency and dejection, disturbance of appetite and sleep. Yes, your sleep and and and, and appetite gets disturbed. Sometimes the appetite gets disturbed on another side. Instead of losing weight, you gain weight. Number five is acceptance. When you arrive at acceptance. This stage, you are no longer wrestling with the other stages, but you've yielded towards managing your emotions in order to grieve in a healthy way. Can't do this podcast without giving you scripture reference. Psalms 34 and 8 says, Oh, taste and see that the Lord our God is good. How blessed and fortunate, prosperous and favored by God is the man who takes refuge in him. So why you are grieving my sister, my auntie, my mother, my cousin, Take refuge in God and taste and see that through this process, he is good and his mercy endures forever. Psalm 73 and 26 says, my flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the rock and strength of my heart and my portion forever. In the name of Jesus, in my night season, in my grief, I have to let you know my flesh and my heart appeared like they was failing. I was on life support numerous times doing life. But when I looked at my children and I looked into the hills which comes my help because my help comes from God, I had to say, but God is my rock and my strength and my heart and my portion. And I began to give it over to the Lord. And he began to deal with all those unresolved issues. And I began to forgive my, my spouse, who was my spouse for over 19 years of my life, and forgive myself. See, there are different types of grief. You know, 
you're saying, Dr. Moore, I haven't lost anyone, any loved ones, family or friends. So how does this apply to me? Let me tell you, glad you asked. Being betrayed, my sister, my cousin, my friend, rejected within your own environment by people, places and things can cause you to have an appointment with grief. Hello. Those stages that I just navigated you through links up with the different types of grief. Let me challenge you right here. If you ever put people, places, and things before your own self, girlfriend, sister, auntie, you grieved when you became orientated to the fact you woke up. Hello, wake yourself up. You woke up to the fact that you betrayed yourself. It's not a sin to grieve. It's not selfish to grieve. Jesus bore our griefs as well as experienced grief of his own. When his friend Lazarus died is an example of a moment of grief Jesus experienced. I believe he cried, but after he cried, he came to do and complete his assignment in raising Lazarus from the dead. And in that he charged, rise up, come forth, Lazarus, come forth. Last empowering nugget right here there is healthier ways to grieve besides drinking smoking sex and an overeating in place of those begin to take ownership that you must manage your grief maturely by saying to yourself out loud this hurts give yourself time to grieve don't try to prove to anyone you are okay it leads to making false decisions retroactively that you will have to recover from later take long hot baths exercise and journal Read your Bible, talk to God, become accountable to overcoming gracefully. You okay? The book of Job is one book in the Bible. I challenge you to read it. A man who didn't waver in his faith when he lost all. God restored him. Thank you. Welcome to 